Welcome to the Leadership in Yoga podcast hosted by me, Shauna Kruger. And on this podcast, I'll be bringing you interviews with exceptional leaders in the yoga world alongside trainings and tips so you can experience true breakthroughs and help others do the same. Leadership and yoga, how are you doing today? I'm doing just fine. I'm ready to take a leap of faith into your arms <laughs> as I share my whole story with you, the good, the bad, the ugly, the beautiful. So as you might have picked up on, this is going to be a little bit of a unique solo episode. You know, usually my podcasts are a little bit more like interactive trainings, but today I'm going to be giving you essentially a fireside chat about my life. And not because this is the All About Shauna podcast, but because I really genuinely think that two types of people at a minimum will really benefit from hearing my, my journey and my story. So if you are a person who is curious, you know, about how your life is going to change with yoga and meditation fully integrated, you know, as a routine, as a lens through which you live, this, this episode is absolutely for you. And even more so if you are currently feeling a bit anxious and purposelessness, yet at the same time busy and stressed, you know, like life is one big to-do list and honestly the reward for checking the boxes is just always deceiving. It's not what you you expect it to be. And I say that with complete seriousness because I have absolutely been there myself. Uh, this podcast is also for you if you are a yoga teacher or if you have kind of the hint or the whispering that you might like to become one, uh, make a career change of some kind, or just begin to serve others in this field of wellness. You know, maybe you want to talk about raising consciousness, big ideas, changing lives, but you just feel like you haven't quite stepped into your power or, or owned your value yet. And if you are a current yoga instructor, this episode is definitely for you if you feel like teaching just really isn't working out because studios aren't paying anything and it's just really hard to find work it's hard to make this work i'm here to show you an alternate option <laughs> i'll just call it an option for now so these next few minutes will be part vulnerable share for sure part funny stories part insight to really help you condense the amount of time it takes you to get from point a to point b and point a is just being where you're at right now and point b is massive steps in the direction that you want to go because it took me a lot of trial and error a lot a lot of trial and error so let's get into those trials and those errors and those successes and i'm sure that you'll find something here for yourself the story that i used to tell myself consistently for as long as i can remember was that i was a perfectionist and i was not i was not a perfectionist perfectionism was an excuse for not wanting to do things for fear of being judged, for being shy, insecure, you know, it got all the way to really what I would call kind of like self-hatred and really not living. And I know that I've shared this before, but for many, many years, what I thought self-love was, was essentially setting rules for myself and then having to follow through on all of them and accomplish all of them in order to be worthy. And the standards were just they were way too high to allow growth, you know? I did end up accomplishing all of them. You know, I was valedictorian in high school. I gave the graduation speech. I was summa cum laude in, in college and I had the highest GPA in my major. I received the recognition and yes, it felt amazing and it was always short-lived. There were really amazing times, but this way of living to this perfectionist standard that wasn't even authentic to who I truly wanted to be was not at all sustainable and it was i would say 
the major cause of this side effect, which was mental health issues. And they kept popping up over and over. And I, I kept them relatively under the radar. But of course, eventually there was an overflow. And so I dealt with things like self-harm and there really was nothing wrong with me. Like I thought I went to, you know, different therapists and I did different types of work and I just kept going around and around in circles, but there was really something wrong with my mindset and the overall way that I was living that was causing all of these, what I will call side effects. And I know that's not everyone's case, but in my case, that was my journey. That was my experience. And so as I went on this journey of self-discovery and refocused towards things like yoga and meditation, I gradually revealed everything that was going on below the surface. And I gradually started to understand like, oh, okay, that is why I'm feeling the way that I'm feeling. And so the last thing that I'll really say about perfectionism is that perfectionism is the lowest standard. And I think it was Tony Robbins that I heard that from, but it's true. You know, there is no, perf- there is no perfect, there is no perfectionism because the grass will always be greener. Once you get to whatever you deem as perfect, you're just going to want to be somewhere else, you know, and same with stability while we're, we're talking about this subject, you know, stability is also an illusion. It exists because of what you allow yourself to focus on. So I'm going to be telling you, you know, through my own story, how my mindset, even my personality, I, I swear to you, and my life have essentially changed exponentially. And before I get into my yoga journey and my personal transformation story, I want to just clarify one thing. When I talk about yoga and the importance of yoga in my life, I like to think of yoga like a boat, okay? It's, it's a ritual and a practice on which you're able to reach the far shore. So you're able to reach a different reality, a different state of being. But the purpose of it is not the boat itself. So don't confuse the boat with the far shore. It doesn't really matter, you know, how the boat looks. It doesn't need to be a particular way as long as it is of service to you. It is a means of transformation. It's absolutely not the only way, but it was a way and a method that was effective for me and has been effective for millions of others. And so I just want to keep that in mind that I am by no means saying my way or the highway but I want to show you what my highway was essentially. So since I'm here to, you know, talk to those of you who are perhaps interested in integrating yoga on a deeper level into your life, I'm not going to start all the way, you know, back with, I was born in year (laughs) whatever, nobody cares. Um, I'm going to actually start with the period where I picked up yoga intensively because I've been practicing for about 10 years Shout out to mom and dad. Thank you guys for making that a family activity. It's been absolutely influential for years, but my personal practice was really beginning to be established on a deeper level. I don't know, maybe I will say like six to seven years ago. And at the time, I was actually in a relationship that deep down I had been questioning for a while. I was feeling like something was missing. It just wasn't a perfect match, but I was was afraid of being alone and I was, you know, afraid of not doing the safe and sane thing which everyone was telling me was to stay like there's nothing wrong so why would you change anything and this isn't to say at all that we should expect perfection but i'm talking about i had massive painful doubt bottling that was just too scary to look at you know let alone actually even deal with and i i have to tell you that i was really quite the expert doubt bottler you know in life in general 
with everything from career to grades, just just get her done, you know, bottle up the doubt and the feeling of emptiness and put it in the closet, don't look at it. And then, you know, one night as you're just about to fall asleep, suddenly your subconscious mind cracks open the closet door and you look and it's just freaking overflowing. You try to slam it back shut and you can't and you break some of the bottles and now they start leaking and now you're you're really screwed because change is going to happen whether you like it or not. And so my unsolicited advice for you is don't let it get to this point, you know? Look at the doubt as it arises. Ask why. Feel how you really feel. Ask yourself how you really feel. It's hard. It's not easy. It's not obvious. Um, deal with what you need to deal with. It won't It won't be easier necessarily, but it will be less painful and definitely more aligned in the end for you and everyone else that is involved in this way. So what first really freed me from the perfectionism trap and who I thought that I had to be was the chaos of Latin America. And I say that with lovingness, but I'm going to call it chaos for a number of reasons. And I don't know if you've ever been in a state where you feel like you are depressed or you're just feeling sad. But for me, when I'm in that sort of a state, which I was, you know, for many years off and on, um, I always felt like things were going so slow, like things are quiet and they're sad and they're just, you know, I don't know, they're they're just not lively. Like it's kind of like what's the purpose of it all, right? Try being in, in a state like that and going to a place where you have to be on your game to make it. Like imagine being blasted with reggaeton and commercials every single morning, you know, from the minute the sun rises and just to show you, I'm gonna demonstrate right now. (laughs) So just even see how that little moment just interrupted this pretty tranquil podcast, right? So that level of energy is a step in the right direction if you are feeling low, in my opinion. You might even notice this if you just put on a song, put on some music, you know, you might have some resistance to doing it when you're feeling in kind of a low and sad and slow state. But if you do something like that or do some intense physical exercise or have to run or laugh or be scared or something like that, it shakes you out of that, that feeling of being stuck. And I'm by no means saying that that's a sustainable solution because it's not. And I'm not, just to clarify, I'm not saying just go live abroad. It's going to fix everything because it didn't have staying power when I came back, unfortunately. You know, I guess you could stay your whole life abroad, but that's not really the point. It is possible for you to be independent of your environment and not relying on it for things like your mood and your attitude. So I still had to do the work to be able to live in that state of mind and attitude that I first experienced while living in Ecuador in, you know, Seattle or wherever else I was in the world. And it was a massive journey. I will tell you, though, that living in Ecuador did provide this glimpse of, okay, you know, there is more to life. I can feel this way that I didn't know that I could. Like, I didn't know that I was missing all of this all this time. This is that kind of gap that I was looking to fill, right? It was actually just only ever going to be filled by a change in my mindset and the way that I was living in general. The moment, I will tell you, that I stopped forcing things to go by plan and just tried to let go of the practical thing and and all of that stuff that I had preset for myself, the moment I let go of all that, 
more miracles began to occur and more things started to work out even better than I could have ever imagined them or ever planned them. For example, when people ask me for a fun fact now, sometimes I go with this one. I married someone I met while studying abroad. (laughs) I went to study Spanish and I came back with a man. And I'm going to spare you most of the details because I know I'll go off on a massive tangent here. But just know that this was arguably the single most impactful chance encounter of my life. You know, I was, I had seen this juice stand on my morning walks through the park every single day. And one day I was going with friends and they wanted to stop and grab a juice. And I was like, no, like, I don't want any from that stand. It's like an organic, bougie looking stand. Like, I'm going to get my 25 cent orange juice on the side of the street. But I, I guess I can go with you guys. And so when we get there, I kind of, you know, go with a sort of a bad attitude, honestly. And I look up and I see Juice Man and I think, hold on a minute. I'm going to get me a juice. This guy is fine. (laughs) So I literally took my hair down out of my bun and I walked over and I was like, quiero un jugo de naranja, por favor. (laughs) probably in terrible Spanish. I was going to try to do a gringo accent, but who knows how I said it, but I said it. And basically from that moment, long story short, I met who is now my husband. And it was a series of just crazy event after crazy event and long distance relationship for a year, multiple trips back to Ecuador, Costa Rica, and Mexico before he was able to enter the U.S. And bam, then he was here, you know, and to be clear, I'm definitely not suggesting that you should rely on other people to change your reality. But at the same time, I will not discount the way that I was shaped by learning from just how Simone, who's my husband, how he sees the world, you know, um, he's from Venezuela and he was, he had a completely different reality than I did when I was in Ecuador. I was there to study with U.S. dollars And he had actually fleed his home country, Venezuela, because of the political and economic turmoil that was there. And despite all of that, he is the first person to be the most generous, optimistic, outgoing, charismatic. I mean, if you know the guy, people will joke and say, like, "Ah, he's going to be president. I think that he honestly would if he wasn't, you know, born in a country that had, unfortunately, a dictator. But, you know, anyways, what I want to say here is that I was just so shaped by learning from how Simone sees the world. And even in my vows, this is kind of getting a little bit ahead of the game, but I wrote something to the effect of, you know, since I've met you, miracle after miracle started unfolding in my life. Things went from the ordinary to the extraordinary. I started dreaming bigger, feeling more alive than ever before. I started asking myself, why not? Why not refuse to follow the norm? Why not go after what really sets my soul on fire? Why not do everything that I possibly could to be with this person who makes me feel a way that I didn't know that I can feel? And so I think the essential thing to remember here is that your external world is a reflection of your internal world. That's really the key. You're never reliant on other people, but you are aligned with people based on who you are being, what you believe your worth is, you know, what your mindset is. And you are in turn influenced by those people. So it's a cycle, but it's, but you set the cycle, right? And you do it unconsciously maybe, but we all do have control. 
I actually was always one of those people who said that I wasn't going to get married. I, I always said that I'm never going to get married. But let me tell you, that reality changed overnight. <laughs> and when you know, you know. And I will always, always be in awe at the way that my life path has intertwined with Simone's, you know, this quite frankly, incredibly charming, brilliant, and impressively persevering person. So shortly after Simone was able to come to the States finally, I would say that I was on my yoga journey, absolutely, at that point. However, there are extreme highs and lows, and you might already be experiencing this if you've ever been on any sort of, you know, spiritual seeking to understand things on a deeper level. Sometimes it gets way worse before it gets better, and sometimes it gets better, and then you you open some stuff up that you've been avoiding opening, and then again, it feels like you're in a low, and that's just kind of how it goes. And so by way of background, I was often told that I was too smart to be a yoga teacher because I had played around with the idea of saying that I wanted to be a yoga teacher for many years. And so I decided to tell people that I would be an attorney because I really loved that answer. I was I was interested in immigration law, but I especially loved the, oh, wow, like that's great, good for you, fantastic type responses that I would get from people. It was very reassuring. And so after undergrad, and at this time, Simone was already there because, by the way, all this happened in my my junior year of college. And looking back on it, I always thought, you know, younger me would have been absolutely mortified. It's like, you're doing what at such a young age and you're going to have family all around the world and everything is going to be complicated. And it's like, no, everything is actually beautiful. You just have to give it time and patience. But anyway, so after undergrad, I was on the way into the first law firm that I ever worked at. And I remember being on the train in the morning, looking down at people walking on the beach at sunrise. And I looked down at the suit that I had and I thought, you know, well, at least I'm gonna be a professional and I will have that. But I didn't feel like a professional. For as long as I can remember, I've done yoga and I've dreamed of teaching people, coaching professionally and being in conversation about things that elevate consciousness and change lives. But I had put myself behind the wrong kind of desk trying to prove a point to everybody else. And it got to this point where I was working um, filing and translating for a law firm. And I probably had, I probably honestly had about one hour of work in my whole eight hour day. And I really no longer wanted to go to law school already at this point. I was getting ghosted from other places that I interviewed at, probably because of my attitude, quite frankly. And I started to sleep during my breaks in the quiet room, all of them, like my 15 minute breaks, my lunch breaks, it didn't matter. During the rest of the day, I would do things to try to keep myself busy. And when I couldn't, I would study Portuguese or I just started searching for anything that could that could possibly inspire me and stop the idleness because the idleness was just like, ah, it was just honestly the worst thing ever. And, you know, I looked at master's programs in Europe, certificate programs, therapy, international industries, places to travel. I was day trading at one point. I was looking at wellness, fitness, and all of a sudden I realized that I was hypnotized, just absolutely hypnotized by the life of yoga teachers I saw online. I saw them out there changing lives, you know, confident, fit, meditating, eating mindfully. It's just glamorous, right? 
And honestly, it was at this point that I was like, okay, finally, I saw something that made me think, okay, this feels better than what I'm doing. And I've been doing this for a lot of years, not in this in this level or to you know this extent, but I'm pretty good at this. I can do this. I can do those things that I see people doing. And from that day on, I started doing squats when I felt sleepy on my breaks. I started stretching and doing one guided meditation every day during my break. And I just started to feel better. I remember that I really wanted to quit because I was blaming the job for my feelings of just being kind of depressed and low, you know, and I would feel even worse because I'm like, ah, you know, finally I have my husband here, but it's just like, I'm still feeling so bad. Like I'm still feeling worthless. And he didn't actually at this time have his work permit yet. And so I was the only one supporting us on a very low paying job. Honestly, it got quite bad. And I just wanted to quit with even no other job in mind because I wasn't hearing back. And I just was like enough, you know, and the day that I, I walked in to quit, which thankfully my husband was super supportive and he's like, we'll find a way like do what you got to do, quit the job. And the day that I walked into the office to quit, I received another job offer that almost doubled my wage. And I received an offer from my current firm to change my position, give me the work that I had been asking for and match the other firm's offer. So, and that sounds like a no brainer. Like I would probably just walk away, right. And try something new, but I was actually super torn and I flipped a coin I flipped a coin and the coin told me to stay. And I remember feeling intuitively disappointed. And so I knew that I had to leave. And the new job wasn't necessarily the answer, but it wasn't really holding me back anymore, which was great. Um, Regardless, I still struggled. And there was this moment where I really lost touch with my purpose. And all that I kept saying that I wanted to do was go back to Latin America and go back to Ecuador where I was happy and My poor husband, you know, was just trying to do his best, but he was not able to leave the U.S., you know, because everything is on hold waiting for the government to process his papers. And, you know, there was really no real end in sight. And obviously, looking back at it, I understand that the draw and the longing for Ecuador is because I was longing for that state of mind. I was longing for that attitude that I had at that time in my life. And, you know, there was this one day where, Simone wrote me this letter about how, you know, I've been asking myself and asking him what's the purpose of being here. And he wrote something extremely smart on about how we're all energy and energy is never created or destroyed, only transformed. Um, He's an electrical engineer and it just came off super authentic. It wasn't at all cheesy. It was just what I needed to hear. It motivated me in insanely and the first time I read it I remember I got on my yoga mat in the morning and I was like I'm gonna fucking do this I'm gonna fucking make it out of this I'm gonna change everything about how I've been living I've known the steps for years and now I'm gonna take them and you know for those of you who don't swear and like I use that language because I want you to understand that well I also didn't really used to swear either but sometimes you just have to ah like shake it up you know like do something that surprises you and shocks you. And I read that letter from Simone every single day. I got on my mat alone. I did a guided meditation for many, many months. And suddenly I realized that everything had changed and I almost didn't even see it happening. You know, the more I studied and experienced yoga and meditation and mindfulness, I realized that 
I was not my accomplishments. You know, I was not even my thoughts. I was my soul. I was my awareness, nothing less, nothing more. It's like the playing field on life was just absolutely leveled overnight in the best way. And I have to say, you know, if I'm going to say what really shifted, I would say just one fundamental thing. And that was instead of being sad and jealous about the people on the beach and the teachers I saw online leading transformational events, I realized that they were a great sign. You know, I began to look for the tiniest things that I could be thankful for. And I made lists of what inspired me, knowing deep down somehow, I didn't know how, but knowing that the more that I focused on those things, those things would begin to shape what I was to become and what was to come in my life. And a couple months later, after this major shift had happened for me, I was literally forced to move to a new city. Simone found a new job there, and I knew no one. I began to, at that time, I was working virtually for a new law firm. And remember that I used to watch the people walking on the beach in the morning on the train, right? Well, one morning as I was walking on the beach before work in this new city, I realized that I was the person walking on the beach at sunrise now. And I thought to myself, if I could do that, if somehow I made that happen, why can't I not be the rest of what I'm dreaming? And for me, that was when the momentum really took off. I decided like, okay, I'm going to take as many yoga classes as my nine to five allows. I'm going to go to therapy. I'm going to invest in coaching. And I'm going to go to a new studio. I'm going to meet people that are like-minded. I remember I really, really wanted a friend who understood meditation and yoga and was just kind of like, you know, 10 steps ahead of me and also just a really positive person. And I walked in this one day to Katie's class and probably, I don't know, within a few weeks of moving to this new city. And she asked me, oh, where did you just move into? And I told her the building name and she looks at me kind of strange and I'm like, hmm, uh-oh, like what, what's going on here? And she says, you didn't just move out of or move into unit 214, did you? And I was like, what? That is crazy, dude. That's that's the exact apartment that I just moved into. So no sooner than she had walked out of that apartment, she literally walked back in as who would become a best friend of mine and immense believer in my yoga and coaching career and Uh, I lost, you know, I did lose friends along the way. I lost a friend group, like an entire friend group, but I was shedding those who kind of thought my, my mission was BS and I was gaining someone who today teaches international retreats with me. So, you know, from here, my momentum just escalated and I started getting over the cringe of posting what I wanted to post. I started working with one-on-one clients. I started talking on Instagram, being vulnerable and bold, even when I felt extremely awkward. And I began teaching again, this time as much as my nine to five allowed, you know, even when I felt absolutely terrified and criticized to stand in front of the room, I said, yes, Um, I positioned myself as a leader. And let me tell you, at first, this was literally like a second puberty, but I got over it. I did, you know, people, other people around me got over it as well. So instead of asking why me, I really started asking why not me. And if you're listening to this, I want you to ask yourself that right now as well. So eventually there, there this came this time, I'm getting a little excited here. <laughs> there came this time when 
one of the two bubbles had to burst, you know, either my very stable and great law firm job at this point, it was paid well, awesome boss, no complaints on paper, or my new business. I shocked myself and I quit my job. And yes, I woke up on days like, oh my dear Lord, what have I done? I must be crazy. I'm insane. But I made the leap. I made the leap to rapid transformation in my new career. Um, Podcasts, retreats, speaking engagements, consulting opportunities with companies, coaching high-paying clients, and more than just teaching. And this is what I want to specify if you are a yoga teacher. I realized that it was really about serving people so that they can feel something. I've learned so much about the process of realizing your potential as a professional in the space of yoga and realizing that you are a professional. You don't need a suit to be a professional, you know? I've learned so much about that process and that mindset shift and it's gotten me to where I am today that now I really get to help other yoga teachers do the same and to find that same freedom and fulfillment that comes from serving others, the the transformation that they're seeking. So I would just say that in all areas of my life, from past relationships to past jobs and even mindset, the result of perfectionism and rule following, coloring inside the lines, if you will, the result of all that was flatline, plateau, slow growth. And the result of spontaneity and openness to that is extreme peaks and lows that make you think, what in the hell am I going to do? But you shape your reality out of what you have to work with. And when you allow spontaneity in, you have more material to work with. It's like, think about it before you have a little bit of clay and you can do a few things with that. And then suddenly there you get an entire whole pile more that you can use. It's exponentially larger and with it you can do things that you had no idea that you can do. Um, But with that, of course, it comes this risk because a lot of times you have to tear down what you had been building because you can't build on top of that tiny base. No, no. You've got to go back to having nothing first. You've got to go back to clear blank slate and trust yourself that you are going to rebuild something stronger, more beautiful, and that will give you and others even more joy. So... Did you ever, let's say, like build a blanket for as a kid? I love this example. Or maybe you do puzzles or other games. If you've ever done any of those sort of things, I want you to remember that right now, wherever you are at, is the building of the blanket fort or is the putting together of the puzzle. This is the good part. This is the frustrating, confusing, you know, figure it out as you go part but this is the good part you are playing live right now i thought of this example the other day it's like if you had an hour would you rather sit and stare at a puzzle that's already been put together or would you rather experience the putting together of the puzzle the finding where the pieces fit the joy the frustration and then the satisfaction of seeing it kind of unfold before your eyes that's what i'm talking about and When I was talking about the clay example a minute ago, I just said that the reality that you create, and I feel like today this is kind of a buzzword, and so I wanted to really explain to you what I mean. One of my favorite all-time funny stories, well, it's funny to me, 
is when I was at the horse races with my parents last summer. Yes, the horse races, like where you go and you bet on horses. And being me, I was doing this thing where I'm like, I'm going to go look at the horse and I'm going to watch them all walk by and I'm just going to sense out intuitively which one feels like a winner (laughs) and so I was purposely like not letting myself look at the odds and like shielding my eyes and not listening to whoever you know around me was going to vote or not vote um, bet for a particular horse and I went and I picked my horse intuitively I bought my ticket and then I would look at the odds and I remember I picked this one horse and it was like terrible odds it was like 64 to 1 or I don't know what it was but it was like an obvious loser and I was like well that kind of sucks but whatever you know you never know it's only two dollars so I'm only out just a little bit here and so bam the race starts and we're watching and I'm seeing horse number eight or whatever it was I think it was eight is in the lead and everyone is like oh my gosh what is horse eight doing in the front and it's getting closer and closer and I'm like oh my gosh my horse is going to ru- is going to win like I'm just jumping up and down I'm getting more and more excited and sure enough we're right there and I see it with my own eyes it's like horse eight wins and I'm ecstatic because I've just made like all this money and it wasn't really even about the money it was just that the odds were were unbelievable and everyone is kind of looking at me and like excited for me as well and then we see the results come up on the screen and horse eight got second place (laughs) in the last minute was passed so I, I get nothing right but I thought it was so comical because I didn't really feel any different after that than I would have if I would have actually won or actually won the money like those moments of pure ecstasy and joy of feeling like a winner like I just created this reality that I was a winner and I had intuitively picked the winner and all this different stuff that was that emotion was real right because what we focus on and create is our reality we're not really experiencing life we're experiencing our perception of it and so I love this example because even after the fact that I didn't win, I felt like a winner for the rest of the day, let me tell you. It's kind of one of those things that's like what you focus on grows, you know? Um, Even something as simple of like when your friend gets a new type of car and then suddenly you see that car everywhere. It's not that there are now more of that car, but you are just aware of the fact that that car is everywhere. And so it does change your reality because you do feel like you are seeing that car around more. Like that car and its presence in your life is increasing. Another really fun example of this is that when I was in the San Juan, um, San Juan Puerto Rico airport last year, I, I saw this guy in a wheelchair and he was like slumped forward. He had a hood on. He was looking down, mask on. And he was a big, like tall looking, super strong guy. And I made up the story in my head that, oh, he must be an injured athlete, like poor guy, you know, I don't know what happened. I wonder what happened. Like he looks so strong. And and then as we're getting onto our flight to Miami, I see him right in front of us stand up out of his wheelchair, take off his hood and board the plane. And I realized that he is the rapper that I'm constantly listening to, Eladio Carrion, in disguise. So it was really just this whole story I'd created in my head was not at all the reality. And so, yes, like when I got on the plane, I shook his hand and I walked past him. I said, hola, mucho gusto, me llamo Shana, because 
you know, why not? Obviously, it's important to say, but the point is that the reality in my mind that I created prevented me from seeing the truth and seeing who he really was earlier because I didn't even take a second look. And that's this concept of inattentional blind, blind, uh, I'm butchering it, inattentional blindness. And this is a really fun exercise if you can play right now, if you're not driving or whatever, just look around you and try to find anything that's brown. Look at all the brown stuff around you in the room or if you're outside, how much brown can you find? Once you've done that, and close your eyes. Now I'm gonna ask you, what around you is red? <laughs> can you think of anything? One or two things? Okay, now open back up your eyes. Is there more red around you than you realized or more shades of red? Probably, right? And this might not work as well if you're in a room that you're super familiar with, but you get the general idea. And I wanna credit this uh, activity from Tony because I did this just a little bit ago and I thought that this was an absolutely fabulous exercise. And it reminds me that when we're going through the motions and we're not paying attention, um, we're missing things <laughs> and not just missing things. We're actually going in directions in life in general that we probably don't want to be going all the time. The craziest example of this was this one afternoon in our old apartment building. I was walking home and I was listening to music and I was just super jazzed. I was at the gym and I was responding to friends on Instagram and in a great mood. And I just confidently burst through the door into the apartment and then I looked at the kitchen and everything and I'm like this isn't my furniture <laughs> and I had burst through the door into my neighbor's apartment and I burst through like honey I'm home like I didn't just crack the door open like I was standing in their apartment and she was in the kitchen just looking at me we had never met before by the way and so <laughs> I said sorry and I left but I was like oh my gosh, this is a mental note, you know? Like, I wasn't paying attention, and I literally just entered the door of a reality that I did not want to be in. So I'm going to end there with that story. I'm not going to tell you any more stories today in this fireside fireside chat, but um, in summary, I guess I will say that my hope for you is that you are able to see that your life has immense value because at any given moment, no matter the past, no matter the circumstance, your life has infinite possibilities from this moment because you have infinite possibilities in terms of how you choose to react, to change, to reinvent yourself, to be something and someone that you've always assumed that you could not be. And if you are assuming that, I will challenge you. So whichever and wherever that direction takes you, the stage is all yours to play. Um, all the love and all the power to you. I'll see you next time. Ciao, ciao.